What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of The H Panel, the show where I bring on guests from all different backgrounds to talk all the things mental health. I'm your host, Harry Poffin, and as you can see, quarantine got the best of my hairstyle. Um, I kind of like it personally. I like it long. I've never had it this long before, um, but I have been hearing mixed reception. So if you are watching on YouTube, I'd love to hear your input. Please send me a message. Give me some constructive criticism. If you don't like it, let's just be nice about it. All right. Thank I, I would really appreciate that. So for this episode of the show, I'm joined by Leah Burtis. Leah is an author and the founder of Empowered and Poised, which is a company that aims to empower and educate girls on how to be beautiful from the inside out through mental, physical, and social components. Leah was so fun to talk to, and I wanted to thank her again for coming on and having this discussion with me. Now for the two quotes that we're going to start this episode off with, shout out to everyone who submitted answers on Instagram. The first one I've got here is from my mother. Uh, one bird in the hand is better than two in the bush. Thanks, mom. And number two here is be yourself. People will talk no matter what. And I feel like I'm a great example of that because of my beautiful, luscious locks that I'm showing you guys before this episode. Without further ado, guys, if you are listening, please like, comment, share, subscribe, give five stars, share with someone who might need to hear this episode. It's a really great one, and I cannot wait for you guys to listen. I hope you enjoy. I'll talk to you all soon. Peace. I'm Harry Potvin, and this is the H Panel. to get to know you a little better Leah so what inspired you to found Empowered and Poised? Yeah so I graduated from John Carroll in 2017 and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do after school um, and I'm a very passion-driven person and so I decided that it was a good idea to start my own business right when I graduated whether or not that ended up being a good idea or not I don't really know um, but I also was fortunate that I had the opportunity to teach phys ed for four years uh, to all girls first through sixth grade. And through that experience and my own struggles, I realized that there was a need for the programming that I'm doing to help young women with social skills um, and teach them, teaching them about, you know, social, mental, and physical well-being. So it was the combination of experiences of my own and then the I saw in the communities that I work with. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. So going back to your personal experiences, um, you said you mm -hmm. experienced uh, body image issues and anxiety as well. Yeah. So, I mean, I have anxiety, right? Because it's not ever something that fully goes away. You just learn how to manage it. And I, I would like to also, you know, share that there are healthy levels of stress and anxiety, right? Um, and I've mentioned this in other podcasts before, but like you stress versus distress, where, you know, if you're a little bit nervous because you're going on a podcast or going to speak in front of a crowd, that's actually a good thing and can help you to perform better. It's where it goes over that it becomes unhealthy. And unfortunately, that was kind of the place that I was in just like, you know, continuously ruminating thoughts and, you know, feeling like things were just going to go poorly, even though that was probably not the case and things of that nature. Um, so I was able to start going to therapy and I'm now on medication and that has helped tremendously. And I've also learned a lot of skills, you know, through my own education um, to be able to implement those. So I feel really grateful that I have the support system and the resources to be able to, you know, learn how to manage these things and realize this is just a part of who I am. 
Yeah, definitely. And I'm sure that helps when you're, you know, teaching these young girls as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think it's that kind of relatability factor to be like, Hey, I've been there too. And I get it. Like I really get it. Yeah. That's important. Cause when you're, when you're young and struggling, like even if there are resources out there, you, you feel like you're the only one in the world that's going through that. Mm -hmm. So you're like, no one even understands it. So having like a role model who goes, yeah, man, I've been there. It's been shit. Sure. Helps. Sure. Yeah. That's so funny that you said that. Cause as I was interviewing somebody who was a mom, uh, they said something along the lines of, yeah, my daughter always says to me, mom, you just don't get it. Mm. And I think there are, honestly, there are certain things that the generations below us that we're not going to get. And I think that's okay. You don't have to get and understand everything. I think, you know, it's just about being there, being present and being empathetic to what it is they're going through because the reality is, is we're never fully going to understand the struggle of anyone. That's just like, you know, people from different races and cultures and backgrounds and things like that. You know, I think you can get pushback, um, you know, when you are, you know, not necessarily in that same group, but the reality is if you come from a place of, you know, being curious, I, I think that there's no way that you can go wrong, you know, being curious and being empathetic and making sure that you place yourself in a position where you're not trying to act like you know it all. Um, I think that's the best way to go, no matter what group of people you're working with. I don't know. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, see, the the biggest thing is like, well, I'm, I'm not a young girl, but like for, you know, when I was struggling, um, when people, when I talk to people about it, they would, um, you know, they, they would try to give me advice and they would try to tell me exactly what to do and like list it out. And that like, turned my brain off so much I was like I'm gonna not do it even more now because you said that mm -hmm. so like my advice to anybody would be just just listen it's it's easy and it doesn't feel like it does enough but I was talking to a guy yesterday he um he had gone through a breakup during lockdown and he was in a really rough spot and he had never dealt with mental health issues before so it was like all really new to him um, but he said like the, the biggest moments that he remembered, like recovering from it were like his friends coming over with ice cream. Like, I love ice cream. <laughs> I'm lactose intolerant. Too much. I, I, I'm lactose intolerant, but I fight it. Ugh. My goal is ice cream every other day instead of every day. <laughs> that, that's where I'm at. <laughs> It's, it's like my one it's the one thing that it just gets me I've been doing pretty good though you should you should be proud of me Harry <laughs> I'm very proud yeah thank you <laughs> I uh yeah no I'm lactose so I'm like I can't have ice cream and then my mom's boyfriend will bring home like tubs and he's like after dinner it's moose tracks I'm like come on man oh that's one of my favorite that one's so good <laughs> so I want to go back to, to what we were talking about and I'm actually curious to know a little bit more about your story and um you know, the challenges that you faced and what's brought you here and kind of, you know, why we're having this conversation today. Even. Yeah, of course. Um, so my, my problems, I can't really pinpoint exactly where they started, but um, mm -hmm. I just know I was really young. And by really young, I mean, like before high school, like elementary school, at some point, I started, you know, feeling, I had always felt as like a different kid. I was more emotional than the other guys. And because of that, I was bullied pretty hard for it. Cause I would cry and I'd be like, I don't know. I had feelings and guys were like, that's so stupid. You're not a man. Right. So, um, I was called every name in the book and anyway, so it kind of got to me. And then through high school, I started, you know, cause 
as a teenager, you get more emotional, you have all these hormones acting up. So my brain started going nuts because I had already had those problems. Well, I don't want to call them problems, but I already had like, you know, things going on. And so I tried to tell people about them. And like, I tried reaching out to people and whoever I reached out to would go, they would hit me back with like, how do you think that makes me feel though? Or like, you shouldn't say that. Uh, It makes me feel bad. And it's stupid to think that way. So I was like, well, shit, I guess I won't say anything then. So then I just didn't, I didn't say anything all throughout high school about how I felt. And like, my parents went through a pretty bad divorce and like divorce is divorce. Like it happens, but I was kind of like, I was the biggest kid. I was the most emotional kid of the three of us siblings. And I was kind of like the middle child as well. Like by middle child, I mean, like I relayed info from my parents to my other siblings. Like I was the middle ground, right? Sure. So going into high school, I had all these stressors around me. And so I never checked up on them. I just, I became a hothead because the only way I knew how to react to those emotions was anger because Mm -hmm. that's what I was taught as a young boy. Um, So I was just labeled a hothead. And that's the only, I just kind of pushed those feelings to the side because I just assumed that I was, you know, different. I was angry. I was one of those guys. And then in like grade 11 and 12, I was able to kind of mask it because I had so many things going on. Like I was a swimmer. I played rugby. I did all like extracurriculars. So I never had time to myself. And then when I got to university, all those stress, all those distractions went away. And then I really had to face what was brewing in me since grade, like elementary school. And I was like, shit, there's a lot going on here, but I didn't want to tell anybody because me saying, Hey, I feel like dying or I feel like I really hate myself. That wasn't like ever talked about where I was. And like, even in athletics and like male athletics, especially it was never talked about. So I just kind of kept brushing it off. And then I got diagnosed with depression and anxiety in my first year, but I kind of shrugged it off. I was like, I don't want to be crazy. Like I refuse to believe that. So then I just never got help. And then it kind of got to a point in my last year where, you know, I almost took my own life a couple times, but in the last attempt, I decided, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Because by that point, I had gotten so comfortable with the idea that I didn't want to be here anymore. And it was like the only coping mechanism I had. So like, if anything stressful happened, or if anything was really bad, I was just like, well, I'm not going to be here much longer anyway. And that kind of brought me some calmness, which I realized was really messed up. So then I finally got the help. And I finally started sharing my story. And then yeah, we're here. I think that's well, it. yeah. I mean, first of all, thank you for sharing all of that and being vulnerable with me. I know, you know, we don't have a personal relationship or anything. So thank you for, you know, opening up that space and, and giving of yourself in that way. Um, I, you know, absolutely love what you're doing and sharing your story and being vulnerable because it is, it's hard. And I think honestly, it's even harder for males because of the way that, you know, males are socialized to, like you said, not have feelings and not be whatever this week is or whatever. And, and the reality is, is everybody struggles, right? Everybody has things that they're going through. And I think it is really important for young men to hear stories from men like you um, so that they know that they're not alone, just like the young women that I work with, you know, I'm hoping to help them realize that they're not alone. Um, and I, I actually, you know, for all of the listeners that are a part of the empowered employees community or conscious empowerment community, I would love for you to share a little bit more about 
where you feel like young women and young men could go for support if they're in situations like yours? Um, you know, what, what kind of resources do you wish you had when you were younger? Oh man. Uh, let me pull out the book. Uh, I, I had nothing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I first, first and foremost, I'd like, you know, and this might be a tall order, but for parents to be a little more, you know, educated on things, just like on like, you don't have to be an expert on like depression, but just like be aware that it happens because, and like, this isn't a knock on my parents. They're, they're great. But like that generation in general, just never talked about it and never mm-hmm. kind of acknowledged it as a real thing. So when people open up about it, they're like, that's not real. Like, stop saying mm-hmm. that because they were mm-hmm. always taught that that was crazy. And that's what I was taught mm-hmm. as a kid through like entertainment and news and like movies, music, like if you had something wrong with your head, you were nuts and you were like in an insane asylum. So having like that, that parent figure, you know, acknowledge that it's a real thing and that you can go to them when you're struggling. That's big. I'd love that. Mm -hmm. And then as like, as a male athlete, but even like students, like older students or older team members on a sport team, if you're able to um, be there for the younger students, that's huge. Because when I was growing up, like in elementary school and high school, my swim team, well, I was I was usually the oldest guy. But when I was the youngest guy, the only way that the older guys knew how to react to things was to punch the lockers, or like, just swear at people. So growing up, I was like, Oh, that's how you deal with when you're sad. So then I grew up like that. Which is definitely not how you do it. Um, no. Now, did you ever have social skills groups in your schools? Because that's something you know. I don't know if you saw this or not, but I'm working towards my master's in social work. And oops, sorry. Um, and my specialization is children, youth, and families with a certificate in school social work. And so that's one of the things I'm real passionate about is conducting groups in schools. Was mm-hmm. that ever something that you had at the schools that you went to? Nope. Never. That'd be great. And do you feel like something like that would have been useful because it would have put kind of that, you know, nugget in your your head that, okay, I don't have to just get angry. Here are other ways that I could release, you know, these emotions, whether it be learning, you know, how to meditate or how to deep breathe or where to go. Do you feel like that would have been something at a young age that would have maybe changed how you reacted when you were struggling? Oh yeah, big time. Because growing up, the only reactions I knew were happy and angry. So being able to, because there's such a big scale of emotions that you can feel, but those were the only two that boys, when I was growing up, were you know acknowledging. So Mm -hmm. so this this uh, group setting that you're talking about, so it'd be like kind of a class almost. So, I mean, like with Empowered Employees, what we do is we go into different schools or community-based organizations, and we primarily work with young women, but we've also done some stuff with with young boys as well. And, you know, perhaps that's something that we would expand to in the future. Um, The reason that I, you know, work with young women is mostly because, you know, I am a woman. And so I understand that on a deeper level. And there are biological differences between young men and young women. And I think having somebody that looks more like you and has experienced those things is important. That's not to say that somebody from a different gender um, or background can't help you as well. This is just, it's happened to be my passion where I've had the most experience. Um, But when we work with the schools, what we do is each week is a different topic. So for example, maybe one week is self-awareness. 
And so we'll have discussions, do hands-on activities. Um, you know, it's a lot of fun. So it's not, you know, just like, you know, reading out of a book or anything like that. It's really an engaging way to work with the girls to help them to learn what their strengths and their constraints are. Then another week will be a different topic and maybe that will be conflict re uh, resolution or team building or, you know, we have, we have an, a whole array of topics, um, but it's all these social emotional skills. And with uh, having a background in exercise science, I also add in the wellness component. Uh, because I'm sure as an athlete, you know, there are tremendous benefits to sports and to physical activity. You know, when your endorphins are rushing, it makes you feel good. And, you know, so for me, it's really about being socially, mentally, and physically fit. And I would venture to say that for a lot of people, including myself, um, you know, also being spiritually fit as well. Uh, that's something that's important in my life. We don't necessarily in our programs just because we're aware that we work with you know, all types of girls. And we don't want to, to make that uh, something that makes them feel as though they're being excluded. Um, but yeah, so it's just, you know, we go into schools and, and, you know, work with them in that way. But, you know, as a social worker, these are also groups that, you know, in that social worker role that you do throughout the course of the day. And um, one of the things that I've really enjoyed is starting to also help to educate other teachers because, just because you're an adult doesn't mean you understand that. So like you said, it's important for adults to have this education and this knowledge. And so right now I was fortunate through one of my internships uh, with a local school district that I am helping in the preparation of a back to school plan uh, that is trauma informed to help educators because, you know, kids are, some of them are very scared to go back to school because they haven't socialized in so long. I mean, I can't even imagine how challenging that is on a young person. And let's be honest, it also is for all the teachers. I mean, this past year has been tough. Mm. Um, so we're developing a plan to help them figure out different strategies of how they can help, you know, their students with whatever it is they, you know, are facing when they come back. That's huge. Yeah, no, because like they opened schools, but all these cases were rising when they did. So that just leaves such a big imprint. I feel like they're not like, you know, like we, we already don't talk about the mental health repercussions of this, these continuing lockdowns. We already don't talk about that enough, but we definitely don't talk about the impact on young kids. Like as, as adults, like, yeah, it's still in some way traumatic for us but we're able to kind of recognize that and adjust mm -hmm. accordingly but as a kid you don't know anything you're just growing up you're trying to figure yourself out yeah it's tough I, yeah no that program's so great because and like you said the teachers if you were a teacher going into lockdown or going back to school after during the pandemic and you saw these cases rising like that mm -hmm. that's got to be scary well yeah i mean and you think about it and it's like these these teachers are going through the trauma at the same time the children are. Mm -hmm. So that's something that we've talked a lot about on the teams that I'm on is like, you know, it's very easy to educate when you're not in the midst of it, but we are in the midst of it. And it's brand new, something we've never dealt with before. So trying to figure out what types of strategies will work um, for something that's brand new. Um, so it's, it's been an interesting year. I think there's a lot to learn. And, you know, I will say though, I think that there are some, some definite silver linings and everything that's happened. And I think it's also important to not look at just the negative, mm -hmm. um, but also look at what is positive 
you know, that's come out of this. And I think people are giving each other a little bit more grace because of the challenging times we're in, you know, and I think people are starting to talk more openly about mental health and the struggles that they've been going through this year, which I think is great. I think there's still a long way to go. Um, but nonetheless, it's, it's great that we're moving in the right direction. Yeah. hundred percent. I've definitely seen it more now than I've ever seen it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I agree. And I think that was even something that gave me some courage and the book, you know, the book that I'm writing has and shares a lot of the struggles that I've gone through. And, you know, in the past, I think a lot of people would have been really afraid to share these kinds of things that you and I are sharing because it could potentially hurt, you know, your career outlook, or people might look at you funny or might think you're incompetent or, you know, that you can't work with the, the students because you have your own issues, that kind of thing. But I think that that's starting to get better. And I think people are starting to appreciate it more. Um, again, there's, there's still work that needs to be done. And it is still sometimes, I mean, I don't know if you find this, but for me, as I was writing my book, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to share this. And then I'm like, no, no if I'm going to tell these girls to do it, I can too. Yeah, 100%. Every, every time I make a post, I'm like, should I say that? Like that... Um... Yeah, exactly. That that's kind of what held me back from admitting anything for so long because I was like if my employer sees this, I'm I I'm screwed. Mm -hmm. They're going to let me go. Because you like it used to be like that, I guess. Yeah, well, and like you said with the parents is I also am very fortunate to have really great parents, but I remember my little sister, she's somewhat like me and what she shares online being very vulnerable and open and and things like that. And I remember my parents one time being like, I don't know if you should put that on there. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's like, I get, I get what they're saying. And they're just looking out for her and her best interests. And quite frankly, there probably are still employers that could, you know, turn away. So you do need to be aware and mindful of the things that you're putting out and, you know, the image that you are portraying to the world. But I think that also you need to be authentic to who you are and share of yourself too. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that. It's kind of uh, striking a balance, which can be tough. Yeah. On the, on the topic of, you know, putting yourself out there on social media, I wanted to talk about um, kind of, because I, I've said this before, like we live in a comparative society almost. And I feel like, so what kind of impacts does social media have on young women in terms of empowerment? So in the positive side. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's talk about yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's a good question because I think a lot of times we frame this in like how does social negatively, mm -hmm. social media negatively impact young women? And we know that it does. Um, but I think if we're looking at it from a more positive perspective is these things that we're talking about is that I think people are becoming more open and vulnerable and sharing their stories and building communities. I mean, I can't tell you how many supportive networks that I'm in through Facebook. I mean, female entrepreneurship groups and, you know, this isn't necessarily female based, but social work groups and, you know, parenting groups. And there's just so many different groups and support out there um, that I think becoming involved in those and also being able to educate yourself through some of these. Because I think, you know, at least with Empowered Employees, we also try to put out educational information linked to credible resources uh, like our website, which we'll sometimes, you know, share on our social media about has a resource page and it's got 
basically any hotline that you could think of. And Harry, you know, if you ever want to take a look at it, let me know if there's any things that you think should be added to it. Cause we're always looking for more resources that are credible and can help the people that we work with. But yeah, I would say the community is a big one. And I would say the educational component is another really big way that it can help young women. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like there's also like this, um, support component like because I was talking to someone about this a couple days ago but like you're almost never alone and if you use that the right way like let's say you know you you have no like it's hard for you to make friends in the real world real world it hard like outside of the yeah, computer sure, I get what you're saying yeah so let's say it's hard for you to make friends in the real world there's always one account on like social media or on the internet or one person there's 8 billion of us and most people have an Instagram so there's always someone that is willing to listen mm -hmm. I feel like that's so yeah. different from when we were growing up mm -hmm. yeah no I, I totally agree I will say though when it comes to young people you also have to be careful who you're connecting right. with yeah, right of course. um so I don't want to neglect sharing the potential dangers in social media and the online world for young people. Um, but I totally agree with you. I think when it comes to communities and, and it's also been great, like, you know, with COVID, I think another positive thing that's come out of this pandemic is that there are a lot of different, you know, um, webinars and workshops and more low cost and affordable groups and you know coffee and chats and different things like that that you can become involved in I don't know if there's necessarily as much of that for young people but for adults I think definitely a way to connect and you know also just college age students too because like you said college can be a struggle for a lot of people it's another huge transition uh transition period and so I think that that is also a great way that, you know, college age students can connect with one another is through these different events as well that are all online now. Yeah, especially now when like campuses are closed. It's like yeah. so hard to make friends. Yeah. Totally. So where did you go to college? Uh, University of Guelph. I don't know if it's in Ontario. Familiar. I'm in Canada. Oh, cool. Yeah. Very cool. That's probably why I didn't hear of it. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I was like you. I don't think it's big enough to be significant, but yeah. Um, yeah, I went, I went for, to a small school too, and yeah. I liked that. For me, that was perfect. I, I looked for something smaller because I learned better, you know, in a smaller classroom environment, and wanted to have the ability to get to know my professors on a more personal level, and you know, have them know me too. So yeah, that's exactly why I picked Guelph. It was so homey. It had like mm -hmm. the hometown vibe. I was like, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. I want to go here. And what's your background in? Uh, biology. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So you know, like the science behind all of this then? Well, pff, I don't know about that. Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> through uni, my whole thing was I just got to survive. So, um, but sure. yeah, I have a pretty, like all jokes aside, I, I have a pretty good idea. Um, I couldn't recite you word for word what happens up there, but I, like, I have a decent background, I think. I'd like to think so. Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, we still need to talk about it. You can always learn more, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. So do you do anything with your biology degree at this point then? Uh, I work at um, the zoo here in Canada, like the Toronto Zoo. Oh, nice. Yeah, I teach kids about all the animals we've got.
was waiting to see if you had it. I don't know if you froze. <laughs> oh, did you hear what I said? You teach the kids about the animals. Yeah, all the animals we have, I, I teach them about them. Oh, that's really cool. I feel yeah. like that'd be such a fun job. I have a friend and she works at the zoo in Pittsburgh. Mm. And she she loves working, you know, with all the animals and things like that. She's more um, like video and marketing and things of that nature. Um, but that's really fun. Yeah, yeah. You learn very quickly that kids are kids can be nasty. You learn how to deal with them. <laughs> Some kids are, but here, like, let's, let's put this in a mental health perspective though, Harry, right? Is why are some of them nasty? What mm -hmm. is it that they're going through? Like, do they have some mental health concerns that aren't being taken care of or addressed? Have they faced trauma or they don't know how to express their emotions or, you know, at home, maybe they're neglected and they're just seeking attention. So I think, you know, for as much as what you're saying can be true, right? Like some kids are just genuinely nasty little kids, right? But I think that the majority of them more so need skills or have experienced something that could be really challenging. And I think that that's something, you know, that's really important for adults and educators to consider is why, why is this child acting and behaving the way that they are and how can I help? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Because uh, we dismiss them pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. like if a and it's kid... easy to get really frustrated I mean let's be honest you have you know five kids all running and jumping off walls it's it's difficult yeah. you know I mean I when I was teaching it was like you know 20 some students and if you had two of them fighting but you're trying to manage the class it can be tough mm -hmm. um you know and right now it's like they're trying to manage their online classroom and their in-person classroom like I give teachers a lot of credit <laughs> yeah I mean having been one myself you know kudos to them. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, I have a good story about that camper thing, actually. Um, I forget it. I wouldn't say his name anyway. Why do I care if I forgot it? But um, we, we, because it's groups of 25. Okay. And so we were at lunch. And we let them go because we, we had lunch in a tent, but we let them go outside just to run around and burn some energy off. And sure. they were collecting snails. And as kids do, and this one kid took all the snails <laughs> and just stomped on them and like killed them all. And he's like, ha ha ha. And he was laughing and everything. And I was like, oh, cause he was such a headache the whole week. And so I pulled him aside and I was like, what are you doing, man? And he just burst like that's, I said it like that. I was like, what are you doing? And he just burst into tears. And he was like, I can't help it. The voices in my head say to do it. And I was sitting there. I was like, that's a red flag. And so the, the, at the end of the day, we were dropping them off to their parents and his mom came over and she's like, how is he doing? And I was like, actually, can I talk to you for a second? And I was like, listen, he like said this, I, there must be something going on. Like, I was wondering if you were aware of that, blah, blah, blah. She goes, that's just classic blank. Ha ha. He just says the funniest things. I was like, good luck, man. Yeah. Well, I think that's where that educational piece comes comes in right is that you're right that is red flag and that is something that the mom should not just dismiss but she should get into further and you know at least get him tested or have him talk to somebody or at least listen to him as the parent to what he's dealing with because you know hurting animals and things like that are clear signs of you know distress or um, a mental health issue mm -hmm. yeah even like Parents are so scared to get their kids checked. 
They think it's like this big thing. I just don't think anybody wants to be quote unquote different. That's true. You know what I mean? It's hard. It's and parents want the best for their kids. And it's, you know, sometimes I feel a little funny about speaking about parents because I'm not a parent myself, but this is really, you know, kind of my passion area. And even though I'm not a parent, I mean, I've worked with hundreds, probably, you know, thousands of kids at this point where from experience, you know, I have seen a lot of these things, um, you know, and I have friends whose kids are, you know, feel like my own. So while I, I still don't fully understand the extent of being a parent, I do understand that, that they want what is best for their children. And for some parents, especially ones like we had, you know, talked about before who grew up in a different era when these things weren't as openly discussed and were kind of taboo. Um, I think it it's challenging. Like nobody wants to see their child struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So where, where can parents start like learning or educating themselves about this stuff? That's a good question. I mean, there's a lot of different places. I think when we talk about media, we are really fortunate to have Google at our hands. Right. And there is a lot of really great information out there. The only thing you have to be careful of is like what's true versus what's not true. So going to, you know, more credible sites or, you know, not everybody wants to read journal articles, but, you know, research-based journal articles are a good way to get information. Um, Schools also provide a lot of really good information as well as places like libraries and community centers. Um, And then in addition, you know, it's important to just talk to other parents as support, you know, like those Facebook groups, you know, that support one another where they can ask questions or ask for resources. Um, But I would say, yeah, like the school, the library, and other people in their network are really great places to go. Doctors too, you know, Mm -hmm. going to your pediatrician, um, they often have really great resources. And if they don't have the answers, they can point you in the direction of a specialist who does. Yeah, 100%. I love this because you know, we, we often talk and I'm guilty of this too. We often talk about how we don't talk about mental health enough and like how there might be a crisis coming on and all of these things, but there's so many, like when you highlight all the resources available and like the fact that, you know, our generation is getting more educated and we're helping the older generation and the younger generation, there's like, there's so much brightness in the future. Yeah. And you know, something else that I've seen that I really love is I'm starting to see these more I don't know if globally is the right word, but more globally, like I'll be watching a TV show and one of the commercials will pop up, you know, a suicide hotline number, or, you know, if you're watching some sort of show that might be triggering where they do talk about something like that, they pop those different things up. And I think that even that is helpful or having more, you know, athletes start to talk about it. Like, you know, so I'm from the Cleveland area. So Kevin Love was a good example of how Mm. he was talking openly about his mental health. And, you know, he's not the only one. Um, There's also a lot of singers too, right? Like Demi Lovato speaks pretty openly. And um, I think just having people in powers of position starting to talk more openly about it definitely helps too. Yeah. When uh, we had DeRozan open up, that was huge. Mm -hmm. And then Michael Phelps for the swim community. That was big. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, because when you, when you look at Michael Phelps, typically like, you know, he's an, he's an Olympian and does very, very well. And so 
people seem to think because you're really strong in one area that you can't have any issues in another area. And quite frankly, I mean, I don't know if I could handle being famous the way that some of these people do. That's got to be tough. Having the spotlight on you all the time. I know some people aspire to fame is not something that I care to have in my life. Um, Would I like to be recognized in the area for, you know, knowing what I know and being able to help people? Absolutely. But do I want the spotlight light shine shine down on me? Not really. No way. <laughs> I, I was not a goal of mine. <laughs> no. I was saying that because last year for the playoffs for Toronto, going back to basketball, like Siakam did sure. not play well in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He didn't play well at all. And social media went nuts on him. Like just said the most uncalled for things. Like there was a petition to like ship him back to Africa. Like, like, stuff like that that was so uncalled for because he couldn't play basketball well for like three games four games I, I was just thinking like man if my twitter account blew up like that I would not I don't know how I'd handle it well I still need to take social media breaks and I'm not even That's you what, know yeah. one of these big you know famous people and honestly I'm very fortunate where like I haven't really gotten much negative stuff because you know the things that I'm doing are you know it's a very positive platform Mm-hmm. And its intent is really to help people. And I think people mostly see that. And if they, they don't, then maybe they just don't engage with us, which is fine if it's not an, in, you know, an interest to them. Um, but even I need to take social media breaks. And you know, my significant other will always be like, are you doing that for work? Or are you just scrolling mindlessly? Because mm-hmm. it is like, it really can negatively impact you. And you, know, you talk about the culture of comparison and I've you know, shared pretty openly about this, but that's something that I really struggle with is looking at other people's lives and feeling like, oh, like my life is so bland or this person is so much better looking or so much more successful or, you know, and sometimes I even do this off social media where like a lot of my friends are 20 years older and I find myself comparing like where I'm at in my career to where they are. And it's like, Leah, they're 20 years ahead of you. Like, of course they're going to be in a different spot, silly, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, but I think like, yeah, it's just, it's important to take social media breaks and to another strategy, you know, for young girls and, you know, boys and all they alike um, is to unfollow accounts that don't make you feel good. Like the second that you're like, oh man, I wish I had that. Or like, you know, I guess that you just start negative self-talk, just unfollow them, block yeah. them. Like you don't need that negativity in your life. Yeah. And don't feel pressured to unfollow someone. Yeah. Yeah. Someone else mentioned that because like, uh, you know, you can ultimately you control what's on your timeline. Sure. Like you don't have to press explore, but you're always on your timeline. So just if it feels like shit, just unfollow it. I struggle with that too a lot because I follow because now that, you know, I've, I've come into this space, I've come into like this niche of podcasts for mental health and everything. I struggle mm-hmm. with it because my entire explore is podcasts like mine and I'm like holy fuck like because when I started I was like yeah I'm gonna be different I was like I'm not different at all so yeah you have to (laughs) you are though and this is something that like with my business that I've thought about is like there's other girls groups here's the thing though Harry is nobody is you right Mm -hmm. just like nobody is me and so they're not going to present it in the same way and for the fact that you are the one sharing it and sharing your story that's something that nobody else can do mm-hmm. and you know the message that you're sharing is going to reach different people than the message that they're sharing and what i always say too is like there are so many young people out there that need this type of support that we could have 
you know, literally every adult doing this kind of work and it still might not be enough to reach all of the young people because it is, it's easy to feel like you're in competition with them, but like, why not collaborate? Why not reach out to all of the other people doing mental health podcasts and be like, Hey, I want you to come on because you're also an expert in this area. Mm -hmm. Can we converse? You know, let's, let's go ahead and make this movement even larger where, you know, they share you on their network and vice versa. And like, how beautiful is that? Right. Isn't that what this is all about is coming together and collaborating. You're here to spread the word and to help people. And if they're genuine in what they're doing, hopefully they would do the same. Yeah. hundred percent. I had that convo with my mom actually, because she's a real estate agent and there's like a trillion of them. Like we have a, we have sure. a real estate agent on every block in my small town. So she's like, mm-hmm. yeah, just don't worry about it, man. Yeah. Yeah. But that's definitely like, it, it's, it's hard to like, not, not just for me, but like for other people, cause I, I don't struggle with it that much, but like it for other, like, it's hard to get your mind off it. You know what I mean? Like when you're in the moment, looking at those pages, you, you lose track of life almost. Yeah. That's why you got to take a break. Mm-hmm. You got to do some puzzles like me. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. You got, yeah. I can't, but like do something else. When I unplug, I no, feel, I mean, for me, another big thing is exercising, you know? And if you like sports, I would assume I don't want to, you know, mm? be wrong in my, my assumption. Yes. But that you would oh. like to work out if you've done sports your whole life. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, you know, whatever, going for walks. You said going for walks. That is still exercise. Yeah. Even if it's not, you know, throwing around heavy weights or, you know, doing HIIT workouts or whatever, that is still exercise and it is healthy for you and it gives you a break, time to clear your mind. Um, you know, and that's something that's really big for me, which is actually what I'm going to do after we get off of this podcast is probably go work out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I I struggled with um, when I retired from swimming, I struggled with the idea that because I would train like eight to 10 times a week and it'd be like, yeah, it it was just like meters on meters on meters of swimming. And I was in the best shape of my life. And I like when I got out of that, I, I forgot that workout didn't have to be eight times a week all out. Like you're not an athlete anymore. You can go on walks and you can do yoga and you can go for a run twice a week, maybe. So when I was, when I got out of it and we were in the lockdown and I started walking, I was like, this isn't enough. I got to do something. And I would burn out like three days in. I get that. Mm -hmm. I've been there. I can relate. Yeah. So if you're listening, but also you need to listen to your body and give your body a break too, you know, like, and just because you're really physically fit doesn't mean you're necessarily overall healthy. That's true. As we're talking about, right? Because from what I heard, and correct me if I'm wrong, but when you were swimming, you were still dealing with some mental health issues. And that was a more challenging time in your life still. Oh, big time. So, you know, even though your body was super fit, were you fit as an entire person? You know, I don't, you don't need to answer that question necessarily, but (laughs) it's, you know, rhetorical in the way that you know, there are different ways to stay healthy and you don't have to go all out. And you're right, especially when you're first starting, right? We can talk about like new year's resolutions and goals. Oftentimes people are like, all right, when I, you know, new year's hits, I'm going to go to the gym or work out seven days a week. That's great. But if you don't work out, don't set that goal for yourself because like, (laughs) well, some people could reach it, right? I don't want to tell people what to do here, but it's just not as realistic. 
you do, you burn out a lot quicker. And, you know, when you're setting goals for yourself, like the SMART goals, you know, specific, measurable, achievable, you know, realistic, timely, or whatever they are. Um, that's one of the things is like, you know, if you're going to start doing push-ups, don't say that your goal is to get, you know, 200 push-ups in the first week that you start, because it's just like, you're going to get defeated, you know, have it be like five push-ups and like, that's great. And then next week you could do a little more. <laughs> You've never done push-ups before. You're like, I'm going to do 200 by the first day, <laughs> January 1st. I'm starting at 200. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's a little ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't yeah. make much sense. No. But that's just with anything else too, right? Like meditating or whatever. Like, I'm not great at meditating. Oh. I try. I'm not either. I try. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> trying. That's all we can do. When I'm in, okay, I don't, uh, you probably, well, you might get this. I don't know. But when I meditate, I have to only do it to sound. I can't do it to a guided one. I can't listen to someone telling me what to do because they have that voice where they're like, and then you <laughs> breathe in. And my mind goes, what are they talking about? Can they just like not? They're like, this voice is so annoying. And I'm like, shut up, shut up, shut up. So I, I have to- I like the guided ones better because with my anxiety, otherwise, if I'm not listening to a guided one, then my head's just like That's thinking true. about all different stuff. So for me, it helps me to focus. But right, what works for you doesn't have to work for me. And what mm -hmm. works for me doesn't have to work for you. But yeah, of course. I do. I, that's kind of how yoga is too. A lot of times, a lot of the instructors talk like that. And I shouldn't be stereotyping because it's not true. But I understand some of them have that very calming voice, which also sometimes puts me to sleep, mm. which is something else that I need to get better at. Like when I'm meditating is not just falling asleep, <laughs> which is common. Like that's a common thing when people are first learning how to meditate is that they fall asleep. So well, it's not the worst way. No. That's yeah. Fine. I mean, I like to sleep. <laughs> there you go. I mean, I don't blame them. You got the calming music. You've got the soft voice in your ear. It's like, how can you not fall asleep? Yeah. I don't know if I could uh, be that person. I'm over here like yelling. <laughs> yeah, not you, the calmest vo voice in the world. <laughs> could you imagine? I, guess I could, could practice. That's true. Is that it? Two, three. Yep. It worked, it was, wasn't it? I meditated. <laughs> I'm fully meditated. <laughs> Relaxed. <laughs> oh man, more than ever. Can you be meditated? <laughs> is that a thing? Meditated? I don't think that's a. That's, is that a term? Might be. Might be a new one. <laughs> I made it up. We're we, we're making up words now. Apparently. Um. <laughs> yeah. No. It, I could never do it. it. Even if I got my voice to that like tone, I'd probably fall asleep while talking. You could do it. You think so? I believe I believe you could. That's yes. my next uh, venture. This podcast is going to so turn. I'm curious. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to, nothing important. I was going to say this podcast is going to turn into a meditation guiding. <laughs> Maybe you should put one of them in there, you know? Wouldn't it be the worst to have one of the podcasts being a meditation? Also, here I am rocking. Do you see me? It's like I'm on a boat. <laughs> I don't know why I'm rocking. I guess it's calming, right? Mm. Um, I was curious to know if you've had any of your teammates reach out to you since you've started this um, that maybe you wouldn't have thought would have reached out about this. Um, everyone who, like, at this point, I, I pretty much expect the people that do reach out. But when I, when I mm -hmm. first opened up, because the way I opened up, so U sports, which is like the national athletic organization up here for college or for university, they wrote an article on me for Bell Let's Talk Day. And so that was yeah. kind of the first 
thing I opened up with and it was pretty overwhelming. And like, you know, I got responses from friends and everything, but that wasn't really my full, full story. It was just kind of like, Hey, I struggle and I'm still here. So whatever, like it's, I, I tried to be inspiring as opposed to being real about what I what was, what I was going through. I'm trying sure. to talk really hard if you can't tell. Um, but so, um, yeah. So the first time I opened up about like suicidal thoughts and like how I was still struggling because in the article I said, I'm still here and kicking and, you know, I'm better than before, but I wasn't, I was, I just wanted to say that so that people wouldn't worry. So then as I was going through it, I joined like this men's only mental health panel at the university. It was like the first one ever. And it was in front of like 300. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. The guys were super cool. Um, and it was in front of like 300 people. And I was like, is this really going to be the first place I tell my actual story? Like in front of 300 people, like I didn't reach out to anyone else. Um, but there were a couple, I was hesitant to do that because at the time I was captain of the swim team and all the captains before me never showed anything because there was this idea that as a captain, you have to be tough and you have to like never wave in stress or emotion or anything. And I was like, sure. I don't want to be the first captain to do that. But eventually I did. And then when I did it, awesome yeah it, it was overwhelming but like all the rookie athletes reached out to me like the first year people which I did not expect like I thought I thought my friends would I thought that was a given but when the whole team did I was like okay this you're all you can open up about things and still be a captain yeah, you set a precedent for them and became that role model. And, and that's another huge part of what young women and young men need is just role models, people to look up to um, who have been in these these positions and stuff before. Yeah, yeah. It, it's when you get people in positions of uh, not power, but like role model positions and they go, listen, I'm struggle. I have struggles. I've been there before. Mm -hmm. Like you can come to me if you're having a problem. That just sets a, a different tone for the younger guys and girls. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I remember, because the older guys never talked about it, but I remember the one time I had a panic attack in the locker room at before mm -hmm. a swim practice. And one of the fourth year students, he came up to me and just gave me a hug. And he was like, maybe, wow. maybe go home and like rest up. And I, I, I haven't forgotten it. And it, it, the hug lasted like four seconds. Cause you know, as guys, you hug, you're like, Oh, what the fuck? But like the <laughs> hug lasted like four seconds and I haven't forgotten it because it's that easy mm -hmm. for upper. Now, have you ever reached out to that person and been like, Hey, I just want to say, thank you. Thank you for being there for me in that moment. No, I haven't. I should. Because I feel like sometimes moments like that, that other people might not remember that like were very impactful to you it's important for them to realize that and recognize that, you know, yeah. and it makes, it makes them feel good. And, you know, I think sometimes it makes you feel good to also give somebody that acknowledgement. So I uh, challenge you to maybe reach out to that person and just say, Hey, here's what I'm doing. If they don't already know what you have going on, you know, and you know, that moment was a pivotal moment for me in my own journey. So mm -hmm. thank you. Yeah. I haven't even thought of that. I should definitely reach out to that guy. But, but it's like, it's, it's little things like that, right? Like uh, another example, and I've reached out to this, uh, this girl. 
But when I was like, at like right before I went to get help, like when I was really low, like the comfort and not being here when that was at an all time high, mm-hmm. my friends could tell, like you, you sure. give off a different energy. And so mm-hmm. my one friend, she was like, Hey, are you okay? And I was like, no. And I told her, and then she was like, well, why don't we, have you gone to therapy about it? Or like, have you told someone? I was like, no, I don't want to go to therapy. Fuck that. And then she was like, I'll walk you there. And then she did. And she waited in the waiting room. And like it, it's little things like that, that take very minimal effort. Yeah. That change. Yeah. You know, and I appreciate talking to you too, because in a lot of ways, this is helpful for me because I feel like I'm so involved in this world of mental health now that sometimes I forget how challenging it can be, you know, for somebody. So to hear kind of that story of you going back and being like, I didn't want to go and it was hard. And, you know, I needed somebody's support to be able to go there with me is a really good reminder that not everybody is on the same page or, you know, on the same level. And that there are people who, um, you know, are just different points on their journey. And I think, you know, because I've become so comfortable talking about mental health and like, you know, my experience in going to therapy and like, I mean, I guess it actually wasn't that easy because it was just, oh man, probably a few weeks ago that I first opened up about like being medicated because for me, that was kind of taboo still. Mm. Um, and so that for me was like really, really tough. And I'm like, do I want to share about this open? And I'm glad that I did, but that was really hard. Um, but yeah, I just, I just appreciate you sharing your story with me and and hearing this from somebody else, it makes me that much more excited to kind of get going in my career in this mental health field to realize that the impact um, that it can have on other people and, you know, helping them to feel better in their lives, I guess. Well, yeah, what you're doing is so important because you're targeting kids who, you know, they might not have a role model and they might, you know, think that I'm the only one going through it and I'm just not worthy of living if I think that way. So it's important to have role models like you, you know, empower them. Now, do you ever go and speak to schools, um, like to young men um, about your experience and your journey ever? I've got my first one um, coming up late February. Good luck. That's super exciting. Will it be virtual or is this in person? Uh, Virtual. It's virtual, Okay. which kind of sucks. But like, yeah, as are most things right now. Yeah, so that'll be my first one. I haven't really talked to places. I don't know. I I would love to. I I, I think I was waiting on like being in person, but you know what I mean? Sure. Because I, I, I feed off a room's energy. Like interviewing yeah. people through Zoom, it's fine. But like, I'd rather be in person. You know what I mean? Because I feed off that energy. I get it. Yeah. But look, I mean, I'm in the Cleveland area. You're in Canada. It would have been a lot harder to do. Mm-hmm. you know so there are definite perks of you know being virtual and being able to connect with people from you know really all around the world I I did a podcast I don't know when it was maybe a, a couple months back or something with this woman in Ghana so that was really cool that's cool um because it is it's like you know also culturally the experiences are different and the way that people look at mental health in different countries is different so like I enjoy hearing and I would say I don't know. I, I, don't, I can't say knowledgeably, but I would say that Canada and the U.S. are somewhat similar in kind of where we're at with speaking about mental health. And I don't know. Do you know anything about that? <laughs> uh, I don't, but I would assume so. 
sure but in other countries though it can be very very different Mm -hmm. um and so i would love to you know speak to more people from different places to hear from them and their experiences because i just think that's so neat i know it's all different I, i was talking to someone who has like a background in like southern asian communities about mental health and like where they are in like recognizing it it's so interesting because it's like it's not polar opposite but it's like different sure it's just interesting to see the different uh Mm -hmm. ways people are talking about it yeah absolutely yeah also wait where did it go i lose it every time i want to show it oh yeah there you go (laughs) this is my medication uh bottle I keep it with me to remind myself that uh, it's okay that you're medicated because I was, I also hated admitting that. And I made a video about it. Well, I made a, I made a video about it. And like when, before I posted, I was like, I'm not going to do this. This is stupid. But like, to your point, like it's important to tell people. Yeah. And I think for me, it definitely helped me because I think there were still some biases that I had about it before I went on it. Um, Like I remember having the conversation with my therapist being like, yeah, I don't want to go on medication. I'm not going to do that. And her just being like, I just want you to know that, you know, it's an option. If, if all those fails, you still have another option. And I think it's definitely helped me to realize that it's okay. And it's, you know, it's not that big of a deal really. And, you know, my dosage isn't even high, but just like a little bit to help balance, you know, the chemicals in my body it really has made a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and maybe one day I'll be able to go off. Maybe I won't. I don't know. Right now is not the time though. I mean, I'm going through a lot of really big changes, you know, writing a book, finishing up grad school, you know, looking for a job once I graduate, you know, so, so now is not the time, but maybe eventually. Um, But the thing that my doctor had said, and I actually have a friend who said that their doctor said the same thing, which I thought was a really great kind of example of like why it's important and um, helped me to feel better about it was they were like, you're the best type of person to work with. You're already doing all the other things. You know, you're, you're eating pretty healthy. You're exercising, you know, fairly regularly. You know, you've tried everything that you can. And unfortunately that's still not enough. And so, you know, if somebody has something like diabetes, you don't all of a sudden, you know, stop eating well and stop exercising, but your body needs to be a little bit more regulated and, you know, comparing it to something like that was like, oh, this makes sense. Like there's just an imbalance in my body and like, that's okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and it has helped with that. So I am becoming more open and vulnerable and sharing about that, even though sometimes it is challenging. Cause like you said, I feel like people think like you're crazy and it's like, but you know, my anxiety is also what has helped me to be I don't know, as successful as I am, right? <laughs> like, I think, you know, for my age, I'm doing okay. Like, I'm, I'm happy, right? Isn't that what, you know, success is, I guess, you know, I guess it's different for everybody. But for me, is like, for the most part, like, I'm genuinely happy with the life that I'm living. Like, I enjoy the things that I'm doing. I have good people in my life. I'm healthy. Like, it, it doesn't really get that much better than that. Um, so, yeah, it's all good. Mm-hmm. It's good. Yeah, exactly. That's the message, man. I feel like, well, when I turned down medication for the first 100 times, 
It was because I didn't, because <laughs> I was, I was like, I don't want to get addicted. I think yeah. that's a big fear. Yeah. Which is possible. And you have to be careful. And, mm-hmm. um, but that's also like why you go to a doctor and they like start you on a lower dosage and then they, you know, they should slowly increase the progression of that and have conversations about like which kind to go on and like your history and what might be best for you and why it might be best for you. And like, don't be afraid to ask those questions. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what I would say is like, you know, educate yourself a little bit about what it is you're putting into your body still so that you have an understanding of like the potential side effects. Cause I was fortunate where the first one that I went on worked. Um, Mm -hmm. But I have other friends who literally have tried like every single one and had some of the most horrible side effects. And like, it made things a lot worse. And what works again, just like with self-care and stuff, what works for one person's body isn't necessarily going to work for somebody else's. So just because, you know, I don't know what kind you're on, but it's not necessarily going to be the same. Yeah. Um, So you got to figure out what's, what's best for you. Yeah. That first one did not work for me at all. Mm -hmm. Like that, that's why it's important again, to open up about, you know, if you take it, if you don't, because then people well, first of all, yes, get research, get a slightly educated because what I did, I heard the first word, I was like, I'm taking it. And I didn't look into it at all. And that bit me in the ass. But like, if you know, when people share it, and they go, Hey, this one worked for me, or listen, it took me like five different tries to get one that did work. Then the, the, the journey becomes a little less confusing. Because when I got on that first one, no one told me that, you know, it might not work. I just assumed that, you know, I'd take a happy pill and I'd be cured. So I took these pills and like it, my brain was not good on them. Like it felt like I, I remember it felt like my brain had flatlined because I had no emotion or reaction to anything. And I just looked really sick and people were like, I would swim and I'd have to get out because um, like my body would go numb because my heart was beating so fast. And like, they'd have to carry me out of the pool. And people were like, you got to talk to your doctor about that. And I was like, no, 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 yeah. but she, she prescribed them to me. So they have to work. Right. But that's not the case for everybody. Yeah. Well, and I think what you had said, like, just thinking that it's some happy pill is like, it's not like you go on it. And now all of a sudden you're like happy all the time either. Mm-hmm. Like you still have up days, you still have down days. It just helps to regulate you. And honestly, like I, I was learning a little bit more about acceptance and commitment therapy and you know, and learning a little bit more about that. It's also like happy is not like a baseline state. You know what I mean? Of emotion is like, it's perfectly normal to have good days and bad days in your life. And like to, to think that you can consistently be happy every single day is just, it's just, it just is not, (laughs) it's not a thing, right? Yeah. You can't, you'd get so tired. I'm telling you. <laughs> Imagine that energy where you're like the happiest ever all day, every day. No, thank you. I'd rather be sad. I mean, I can't say that. <laughs> I'd rather have both. That's what I meant. But yeah, that um Well, it's funny when you talk about like energy levels, often say, Leah, you're either like super energetic or you're asleep. <laughs> like those are your two states. <laughs> That's so funny. Like, yeah, just no, me. It's, it's true though. Um, yeah, to your point again, like the, like the therapist, what my therapist told me that comforted me was because I was like, I don't want to go on them. I don't want to be dependent on a pill. She was like, listen, I'm not going to sit here and tell you 
it cures everything. When you take medication, it's like maximum 20%. Well, again, for some people, it's not. But for people in my situation, my, me personally, she said medication was 20, is 20% of your recovery. It's not 100. 80% comes from other things. So just think of it as like a little addition as opposed yeah. to something to be dependent on. And that made it a lot less scary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about your book for a second. So sure. what, what's in the book? Like what inspired you to write this book to begin with? And then when does it come out? So um, what inspired me to write it? the work that I'm doing with the young women, right? Which is what inspired me to go back to school as well. Um, Empowered Employees is really kind of what's got me doing a lot of what I'm doing because I just, I just love what I do. Um, and I also wanted to learn more, right? I wanted to be more of an expert in this area. And I felt like this was going to push me outside of my comfort zone to expand my knowledge um, and then also to be able to continuously help other people. So the majority of the work I do is with youth, but this book is written for the adults. So it's written for any adults who work or live with girls. So teachers, social workers, parents, caregivers, things of that nature. And so I felt like it was a way to be able to work with the adults and help them to learn about some of the insights that I've gained over the years that I've been working in this field. And then also through all these people whose um, stories I heard. So I've interviewed over 30 individuals who are either an expert when it comes to young women or who have experienced some of these challenges that young women face when it comes to self-esteem and confidence. Um, so I'm really excited about it. It comes out this summer. Um, so will officially be published this year, 2021. So you know, when you're looking at, you know, how's the year going to go, at least one big thing will be accomplished and two, because I'll be graduating. So that's really exciting. Um, but yeah, I, I would love to be able to share the insights with more people so that more people can get this message about how to help young women building their self-esteem and confidence. I love that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, thank this you. Summer. Thank you uh, for asking. Yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, I think that's all I have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the other thing too, is that it explores how intersectionality plays a role in the development of a young girl and her self-esteem and confidence. So mm. what I mean by that is the different groups that you're a part of. So your race, your culture, your ethnic background, your socioeconomic status, things of that nature. Um, because what I always say is that a one size fits all approach doesn't work when it comes to helping girls build self-esteem and confidence. And the same would go for young men as well. Right. Um, I don't want to, you know, not share that that that's the same thing is that we need to make sure we're looking at the unique individual which is a lot of what you and I have been talking about this entire you know conversation that we've been having is that you have to figure out how it works best for those people in your life and so I wanted to make sure that it was inclusive of individuals from all different backgrounds um, because I think that that's something that many other platforms and books fail to recognize um, which is something that I'm also very passionate about. Yeah, absolutely. Like a lot of the books and stuff, they, they kind of have that one size fits all approach. Mm -hmm. Where like you're reading yeah. it, and you're like, I don't relate to that at all. Maybe I'm just uncurable. <laughs> you're not uncurable. <laughs> and I also don't think self-esteem and like confidence are something to be cured, right? Like there's something to like, I think it's inside everybody to like have confidence. You just need to like help them to bring that out. Like figure out what their strengths are, what their values are, affirm them, 
you know, um, allow them to experience different things and, you know, engage with them, listen to them, all those different kinds of things. I think it's just helping them to pull it out of themselves and to Mm -hmm. recognize that they can. Yeah. And that's so important for young women, especially because like, you know, the future's female, man. That's what I've heard. It better be. I'm tired of these <laughs> That's old what men. I've heard. <laughs> I'm tired of these old men running stuff. Hey, that's going to be you one day. <laughs> I know. No, I don't want to believe it. No, I'm not going to be like that, please. Um, yeah, because just like, you know, they've done research where like, you know, more empowered young women leads to just a better community in general. And I feel like it's yeah. important for young girls to, you know, really recognize their self-worth. Absolutely. Because I mean, these young girls eventually become moms and their sisters and their aunts and their teachers and their, you know, whoever they want to be. And like, let's not pigeonhole it to the the careers that are more typically female based. Um, and so, yeah, I think that women have a very large impact on the community. Um, And so I'm excited. Like, I'm excited for the future. We have a long way to go, as I've said time and time again today, but I'm really hopeful and I'm really excited. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm excited too. I can't wait till I'm an old grumpy man and I see females running the show. I'm not going to be an old grumpy man. (laughs) Just wait, wait 50 years. I'm going to be like, ah, tough. All right, I'll hear from you then. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, Well, listen, Leah, I really love what you're doing. And I love like your programs and your book. I can't wait to read it. I'm going to read it. I promise. Um, (laughs) And I I think what you're doing is so great. And I'm really glad you came on to, you know, talk to me a little bit. That was like that little moment where uh, we talked about that guy. I haven't felt that kind of, you know, (gasps) in like most of my episodes. So just to let you know, you pulled a heartstring today. Aww. Well, thank you for allowing me to do that. And thank you for inviting me on. It's been wonderful getting to know you and hear your story. And I'm excited to see where, you know, life takes you and this journey of, you know, your podcast is going to take you. Um, Cause I think more men need to be involved in this conversation when it comes to mental health. And so I appreciate you and the work that you're doing. So thank you again. Thank you. Yeah. Where, where can my viewers find you? They can find um, my website at www.empoweredandpoised.com, which is Empowered and Poised. Um, all of our social media handles are Empowered Poised with no and. And then they can find me personally at It's Leah B, I-T-S-L-E-A-H-B-E-E. I love and it. And then if they want to connect, you know, through email or whatever, they can find it on those sites. Perfect. And with that, we're done. To all my viewers, I will see you guys next time. Thanks so much. Hey guys, thanks for watching another episode of my show. If you want more episodes of the H panel, the button's gonna be right here. If you wanna subscribe for more videos from myself, it'll be right down below. Please like, comment, share, give five stars. Let's keep this conversation going guys, all right? I'll see you next time. Thank you for your support.